if you'll turn kind of in um, in a little bit of a review since it's been uh, a couple of weeks since we've been here, but um, we're going to finish up here. Second Corinthians 13. Second Corinthians chapter 13. Wait a minute. That's the first Corinthians. Oh, yeah. Chapter. Second Corinthians 13. There we go. I got you. So, I mean, this is the end of the, uh, the thought here. Again, we'll kind of rehearse it the last time that we were here. Thank you. <clears throat> me, me, me. All right. So that uh, <clears throat> this is after the doctrinal statement, which we're we going and going into the next segment. But where we were at, uh, again, so uh, we the outline discussed or the introduction to this study discussed the pre-Pentecostal and post-Pentecostal work uh, and workings of the Holy Spirit, the nature of the Holy Spirit, his personality, the personality of the Holy Spirit, the meaning of it, the proof of it, and the... Um, the meaning of it, proof of it, that's it. The meaning of the personality, the proof of the personality, and we was going through all those. Uh, the necessity for the proof, the proof of the Holy Spirit's personality. Uh, we talked about his masculine masculine personal pronouns applied to the Holy Spirit, the association of the Holy Spirit with the other persons of the Godhead and with the individuals. Person, personal characteristics subscribed to the Holy Spirit, which is where we was at last time. The personal characteristics ascribed to the Holy Spirit are intelligence, will, love, goodness, grief, um, personal acts ascribed to the Holy Spirit. He speaks, I'm sorry, he searches the deep things of God. He speaks, he makes intercession, he teaches, he leads and guides, he calls and commissions men. Um, And then the personal treatment received by the Holy Spirit he is rebelled against and grieved. This is where we was at last time. Rebelled against and grieved. He is lied to. Talking about Ananias and Sapphira. And he is blasphemed. Matthew 12, 31 and 32. I'll read that. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost... It shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. All right, and this is where we left off. So Webster says to blaspheme means to speak to, uh, of the supreme being in terms of impious irreverence, to revile or speak refro- reproachfully of God, Christ, or the Holy Spirit. To blaspheme thus is clearly impossible unless the object of irreverence be personal. So again, that goes back to the personality, and you can only blaspheme a person, I mean, so, and it's a reverence there. So here's the doctrinal statement. By the use of personal pronouns, by personal associations, personal characteristics, possessed personal actions performed and treatment received, the scriptures prove the Holy Spirit to be a person. And so, again, getting back into it after last week about being, being paused is understanding he's a person and treating him such and interacting daily 
uh, in that manner because, you know, understanding that he indwells us. And everything we do say, he's right there with us, hearing us do it, or seeing us do it, hearing us say it, uh, even think it, for that matter, uh, because uh, he indwells us, going back to <clears throat> judge on motives at times. And then being able to, at prayer, when we, we, we pray and we can't utter anything, the Holy Spirit maketh intercession for us. He's able to translate those heart, that, those, heart, emo, those emotions in of our heart and put it to words at, uh, before the throne of grace. It's amazing in that as well. And so um, when you get to thinking about that even, it's just um, uh, uh, tremendous. That's a good word. All right, so... Um, then theoretically, we may believe this. Do we, in our real thought of him or in our practical attitude toward him, treat him as a person? Do we regard him as indeed as a real person as Jesus Christ, as loving, wise, and strong, as worthy of our confidence and love and surrender as he? He came to be, he came to, be to the disciples and to us, what Christ had been to them during the days of his personal companionship with them. And he references John 14, 16, and 17. He goes away. If I go away, he will come. All right? And basically, so, uh, so he, again, and dwelling in us. Now, where we was at here in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. And Mr. Torrey, and this is where we left it. Do we know the quote communion of the or quote the communion of the, and fellowship of the Holy Ghost? That's a good question. So, um, and I think you know as we learn of Him, which is what this study is about, then we realize that He is with us, you know, and in in all of our interactions, and if we will. Make decisions based on that, just based on that knowledge and just very sensitive to that knowledge, uh, then uh, and be guided and led and walk in the Spirit, be led by the Spirit. All of it's in the Scriptures, but I don't think we take to heart often enough just the truths uh, of that. So then next, uh, next part, this is the new part here in the... Uh, in the outline is the importance of it. The importance of what? We're going back to the personality of the Holy Spirit. So the nature of the Holy Spirit and then the personality. We're still talking about the personality, the proof, the, the meaning of it, the proof of it. And this is thirdly, the importance of the personality as shown. All right? First, in connection with, the, in, in connection with worship. All right? The importance of of the personality of the Spirit and understanding that. Here it is. So if the Holy Spirit is a divine person and yet is unknown or ignored as such, he is being deprived and robbed of love and adoration which are his due. If on the other hand, however, he is only, he is only an influence, force, or power emanating from God, we are practicing idolatry or false worship. So uh, we are, we're to understand him and 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 uh, treat him uh, as a person and then, um, and then give him his adoration, which are due, all right? So 
secondly, it's important that we understand his person, the personality of the Spirit uh, from the standpoint of service. It is necessary to decide whether the Holy Spirit is a power or force that we are to get hold of and use or whether he is a person of the Godhead who is, control, who is to control and use us. See, it's one thing to use him. You know, I can do all things through Christ with strengthen us, and that's a good, that's a good attitude, and, it's, and, and I was able to actually share that in a, in a big group of people there on the base. And, uh, and she asked me to expound on that. I'm like, okay, don't ask a preacher to expound too much. All right, we're going to preach a while. But anyway, but I was able to expand, you know. Have you used that practically? I'm like, well, yeah, I use it practically. You know, I'm huffing and puffing to make my, <laughs> to make my PT test back in the day because I'm the fat boy. And I uh, just got to make the time, got to make the time annually. You know, I can do all, I mean, every step. I can do all things through Christ's strength of me. I can make that finish line. You know, sometimes I was making it right at the last second, but I made the time because Christ helped me out. And other things I faced that, you know, maybe pushing my boundaries, uh, whether I maybe uh, can do these things or not, but I can do all things. So there's one thing to just use him. I, I, this is the negative side of it, to use the Holy Spirit as a tool. You know, just to grab him when we need him, you know, and use his strength and help and grace in that way, or to just be surrendered to him. That's a totally different. So I can just say, I'm going to just go through life in the strength of my flesh until I get in trouble. Then I'll grab the Holy Spirit and grab his strength and grab his guidance, seek him then when I'm in trouble. Or I can just be on this side and say, God guide me, God direct me in every aspect of my life. Lead me. Help me be surrendered to you. Be sensitive to your leading. Uh, there's scriptures, and I've heard it preached, kind of like the example that I've talked about, <clears throat> people that are blindfolded and being able to be directed by the word. There is that, but then I read this scripture the other day, <clears throat> and it talked about the look. <clears throat> you can direct... <laughs> People with your eyes. You can direct people with the look. You know, just ask my kids. <laughs> that look. <laughs> or, or ask my wife. That look. You know, whatever. Uh, ask, you know, you can direct people. And just eye, your eyes, you look at them, you get their attention, and you can look at them a certain way. They know what you're talking about without saying a word. And we can do the same thing with God. There's the God looking upon us. But we got to be close enough to see his look. That's the thing being, you know, if I'm here to over there at the big double two-story building, I can't see the face, facial expression. I can maybe see who it is. He's waving. I can wave back. But I couldn't be close enough to see, be, be guided by his look, probably or even his words because he's too far away. So there's the thing about the closeness here of the Spirit is to be close enough <laughs> in our walk with him and surrendered enough to be walked with him so that if he just gives us that little whisper, not the big, loud voice like in Elijah's day, but just that still, small voice. And he says, you ought not to be doing that, so you scotch up really quick. Or why don't you go do that? You say, yes, I'm obedient unto you. I'm, I'm pliable in your hands. I will go do that. And, you know, 
and to seek his wisdom and his direction. You know, God, I'm, you know, question, I'm wondering about this in my, you know. And just like I have said, you know, when I was offered, asked to, to fill in for that Methodist preacher, you know, I was one of those deals where I had a little quick, I just turned inward with a, just a heart prayer to God. God, are you in this? God, is this, would it be okay kind of sort of thing? You know, and then having the Spirit put his stamp on it. But again, you know, if I had been put on under any kind of, uh, now you can't preach on this or this or this or this, then it, would have, it wouldn't have happened. But by giving liberty in the pulpit, and I basically went in there and preached Baptist doctrine in two Methodist churches because I preached the same message twice, one in that church one in the other church. And, and, and kind of dealt with some of the stuff. They, they say one thing, and the, but they practice another, and I'm basically shoring up what they're actually practicing because what they're doing is against what they say that they believe. Anyway, it was kind of crazy. But it was one of those quick prayers, and you're just a quick, uh, a quick seeking of the acknowledgement of the Spirit. God, are you in this? God, are you leading that way? And if he had said no and gave the shutdown, I'd have to told the preacher, no, sorry, I can't do that. You have to find somebody else. It's one of those deals where he was a doctor. He's a, he's a physical therapist doctor, okay? So he's a medical doctor in physical therapy. He owns a physical therapy. He was a, he's, a, he's, a, he's awesome is what he is. I was just like, wow. Talented, good looks, whole nine yards. Uh, I mean, it's just, a, it's just one of those men. It just seems like he touches it in his gold, one of those things. He, so he's a medical doctor in physical therapy. He was, uh, he was a, uh, a, a, an officer, I think, in the Army, the Air Force, or, or Army, I want to say. He was a, a, a military officer. He, he, he's a pastor. He plays the piano like it's unreal. And he sings, I mean, everything. He's just tremendous, that kind of guy. But because of his doctor, uh, he has to go get renewed in certain certificates every year, and it's a weekend kind of deal, and he was, he was having to uh, not be at church that particular weekend, and that's what I was filling in for him. But again, I turned inward, asked the Spirit. The Spirit said, okay, and been, being that close, look for, his, look for his approval. But you got to be close to see his, his disapproval or his approval. you got to be close. And seeing, or, or going back to our globe, uh, you know, uh, analogy with a, a darkened globe, the weights that, that does, and the weight which uh, weights and sin which does not leave to set us, but those weights and that that stuff that gets in the way that we can't see clearly, and so, so being sensitive in that way. So um, again. Are we using him or is he using us? Or is he, are we yielded to him? So who is in control? <laughs> um, the one conception leads to self-exaltation and self-assertion and the other to self-abasement and self-renunciation. I can exalt myself and just use, or I can just be self-abased. And we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 who God uses. We mentioned that. The weak things, the foolish things, the base things. All right, just being 
open to him. Open to his use. Open to his guidance. Um, pliable in his hands, however you want to put it. All right, so that's from the standpoint of our service. And then the importance of his personality as shown by the reason of its relation to Christian experience. It is of the highest experimental value that we know whether the Holy Spirit is only a mere influence and impersonal force or rather he is an ever-present friend and helper, a divine companion in God. So by reason of its relation to Christian experience, our Christian experience, is he our God? He is our helper? How do we, again, he's a person. And having that consciousness about us that he is a person and he can be grieved, he can be quenched, he can be offended, he can be lied to, okay? But then, you know, but then again, this comes, kind of comes back to our closeness. Is he our friend? Is he our helper? Is he to us what Jesus Christ in person was to his disciples as he walked with them? When John the Beloved laid his head on Jesus' breast and found comfort there, can we in times of storm like the Pettigrews and like the pits are experiencing right now lay our head on the Holy Spirit's breast and find comfort there? The, John said he was our comforter. He is our helper. He is our guide. Again, being led by the Spirit. Do we acknowledge Him in all that? And in, in those uh, positions, in those abilities, our helper, our guide, our companion. Uh, of course, <laughs> Maze Jackson, Maze Jackson, yeah, Maze Jackson was talking about, he used Jesus, come on Jesus. When, and, I, and I don't know if I've told this before, when he was, he asked his wife if he wanted to go to the post office box. And she said no. He said, well, Jesus will go with me. And he opened up the front door. Come on, Jesus. And let him out, shut the door. Opened up the car door. And then walked around and got in the car, you know, and did all that. But there's, again, it was kind of a little foolish. In fact, uh, we got down to the post office and that one black woman looked at Brother May and said, you know, you, you spooky, you know, because you're there, you know, talking about Jesus as a person that would go in with you. And he was opening up the doors for the person. But again, I mean, it's over, it's an over, an, uh, an, over emphasizing the, the whole thing. But again, that consciousness of the Holy Spirit as a person, just like Brother Mays was going through the whole opening the doors for somebody that couldn't be seen. All right, some people are like, mm, you need to go to Western State. I don't know if they got a state hospital for the mental around here. Uh, they do in East Tennessee, Eastern State, and Western State, and Kentucky. We have those hospitals. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> What's it called? <laughs> right. <clears throat> What? So anyway, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we understand. Yeah. 
understand. I've been, in, I've been in one of those places, not as a patient. But anyway, I have been there, and they close the doors behind you. It's like, mm-hmm, woo-hoo, okay, please let me out. So, uh, so anyway, um, but seeing him as that person, our divine helper, friend, and, and companion, and guide, and ever-present, okay, so um, and not just a, a, an influence to us. You know, the Holy Spirit doesn't necessarily just influence. He should influence us in our think, but he should lead us and guide us and be in just acknowledging him as a person. All right, now, so that was him as a person. Um, so the big two is the deity of the Holy Spirit, the deity of the Holy Spirit. So, uh, so we've seen the person of the Holy Spirit, now the deity of the Holy Spirit. The scriptures emphatically teach the deity of the Holy Spirit. There have been those, however, who have denied this. Arius, a presbyter of Alexandria in the fourth century, led in the teaching by the Holy, led in the teaching by holding that God is one eternal person. That He created Christ, who in turn created the Holy Spirit. See the false doctrine there? Okay. So um, instead of the Trinity as it is, so um, so and that so who in turn created the Holy Spirit, thus denying His divinity. This teaching gained a stronghold in the early church, but was corrected by the Nicene Creed in 322 A.D. The meaning of the deity of the Holy Spirit. By the deity of the Holy Spirit, it is meant that he is one with God. We kind of went through that. One in the Godhead, co-equal, co-eternal, and co-substantial with the Father and the Son. That goes back to the doctrinal statement of we believe in one God, Manifested himself in three persons, uh, equal in all attributes and power. All right, so so he is uh, that, the Godhead. He's equal. Uh, the proof of the deity of the Holy Spirit. Um, even the apparent, even more apparent than the personality of the Holy Spirit is the truth of his deity. The scriptures abound with evidence of this fact. All right. Divine names given to him. He is called God. Now we're turning. All right, Acts chapter 5. Chris, can you sit back here and turn, just turn that whole system on this side, totally off? Yeah. We're finally getting to the temperature. At least up here it is. <laughs> Extra blanket on this. Acts chapter 5. Yeah, that one's a runaway thermostat. I'm going to try to get them changed before Sunday. Uh... Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. All right, so he is called God. Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. So in verse number 4, he says God. In verse number 3, he says Holy Ghost, same person. All right, so he's called God in these verses. So, uh, uh, yeah, the divine names. He is called Lord, 2 Corinthians 3. Second Corinthians 3. 
and verse number 18. But we all with open face beholding as a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Okay? So he's called Lord. The Holy Spirit is clearly identified with God in the above passages in such a way as to prove his deity unmistakably. All right, so, so he's divine names given to him and then divine attributes ascribed to him. Divine attributes ascribed to the Holy Spirit. Attributes which belong to God alone are freely used of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews 9, verse 14. Well, back up. 13. For if the, bull, if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify through the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from, the de- from dead works to serve the living God. All right, so... Uh, he's that's eternity. So uh, again, through the eternal Spirit, eternal Spirit. So he's eternal, and that is ascribed to the Spirit here in this verse. So an attribute which is also ascribed to God in other places, eternal, and uh, his om, omnipresence. So omnipresence. So in other words, at all places, at all the times, and and Psalm one thirty nine. Everywhere, all the time. Psalm 139. Verses 7 through 10. Psalm 139, verse 7. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. All right, so uses the spirit there in verse number 7. And so omnipresent. He's omnipotent, Luke chapter 1. Omnipotent. Which is all powerful. Luke 1, verse 35. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. So the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the high shall overshadow thee. All right, so his omnipotence, which is ascribed to God, a term all-powerful. Omniscience, all right, all-knowing. First uh, Corinthians 2. First Corinthians 2, verses 10 and 11. 
but God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. So he's all-knowing, omnipresent, omnipresence, omnipotence, and omniscience. All right, all ascribed to God, to God and in these passages of scriptures, ascribed to the Holy Spirit. Let's see further John 14 and John 16. All right. John chapter 14, verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and shall bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Again, this is omniscience, uh, all-knowing. And then John 16, verses 12 and 13. Um, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. All right, then the divine works. So the proofs of his deity, the divine names given to him, the divine attributes ascribed to him, and then thirdly, the divine works performed by him. Creation, Job. And it's hard to see what this is. Let's see here. It's one of those printers. Let's see here if I can figure this one out. All right, Job 33, Job 33, verse 4. This is the divine works performed by him, and one of the divine works is creation. Job 33, verse 4. The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. Of course, we've already talked about the Spirit of God moving <laughs> In creation, and I'll just go ahead and grab that one real fast. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the earth, I'm sorry, the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. All right, so in creation, the Spirit was there, so he created uh, Job said he created him. The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. Psalm 104. And verse 30. Thou sendest, sendest forth thy spirit, they are created and thou renewest the face of the earth. All right, so the divine works performed by him is the creation, and then secondly, the impartation of life. The impartation of life. Romans chapter 8. 
We're doing Bible drills here. That's how fast we can turn. Romans chapter 8, verse number 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. So he imparts life, impartation of life. All right? And then... uh, Genesis 2, 7 uh, is, is the breath of life, I believe, is the verse there. But we're going to just look at John 6, 63. In, it is this, well, let's back up to 62 because he asked a question. What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up before or up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So he imparts life. And there's a C further, John 3, 5 through 8, Titus 3, 5, and James 1, 18. The Holy Spirit is the author of both physical and spiritual life. Job said he made him physically, all right? But then he also, spiritual life, as we've seen in these latter verses. He is the uh, So we see also... Um, the divine works is the authorship of divine prophecy. Second Peter, the authorship of divine prophecy. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse number 21. Well, let's back up to 20. Uh, 19. <laughs> we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Until the day dawn and the day a star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in the old time, in old time by the will of man, but by holy men of God's, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. All right. So the authorship of divine prophecy. Uh, See further, Second Samuel. I'm just looking at the time too, trying to pay attention. I think we can get through this section here. Let's see, Second Samuel. Turn it right. Turn here. Second Samuel, chapter twenty-three. Authorship of divine prophecy. This is a see see further than that one. So, Second uh, uh, Samuel twenty-three, verses two. And three, well, let's back up to one because there's a comma there. Now these be the last words of David. David the son of Jesse said, And the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of, of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel said, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spake to me, he that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. So he said he was in his tongue. The Spirit was in David's tongue. And uh, a prophecy was in his... Uh, I wonder if Paul used that. If Paul used...
Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, <laughs> that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to the seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with the hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know not the truth. That's right. And it said it expressly, so the word expressly, in the fact, uh, that word gives it good. Yep, that in latter times. Sounds like for me, Spirit's speaking. And those are good verses there when you're talking to Catholics, if they've got a Catholic Bible, because it's very similar in the Catholic Bible, talking about who those... Um, who those false prophets are. Uh, talking about forbidding, demanding, commanding uh, that they abstain from meats. Do you eat meat on Friday or dog? We just eat fish on Friday. Uh, are your priests and your nuns able to marry? No, they're not able to marry. They're forbidden to marry. Uh, well, the Bible says here that they're false prophets. All right, just saying. <clears throat> That's exactly right. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats. All right, so let's see here. Authorship of divine prophecy. Now, uh, let's see here. So we are, let me go back just a minute ago. So proof that he, proof of the deity of the Holy Spirit. One, divine names given to him. Two, divine attributes ascribed to him. Three, the divine works performed by him. And fourthly, uh, the application, there's five of them, so we're going to try to squeeze it in. The application of Old Testament statements concerning Jehovah to the Holy Spirit by the New Testament writers. Okay, So there's a comparison here. Isaiah 6. 8 through 10. Again, let me read that when we, as we're turning. You're turning to Isaiah 6. But the application of the Old Testament statements concerning Jehovah to the Holy Spirit by the New Testament writers. Okay, Isaiah 6, 8 through 10. Uh, let's see here. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people, make the heart of this people possible. Whew, it's been a long day. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and convert, and be healed. And compare that with Acts chapter 28. Twenty-five. Through 27. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed after Paul had spoken one word 
Well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah, the prophet unto our fathers, saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see and not perceive, for the heart of this people is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they have, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart. Uh, and should be converted, and I should heal them. So again, the application of the Old Testament statements, Isaiah made the statement, and then in the New Testament, uh, the two New Testament writers, the New Testament writers ascribed the Old Testament statements to the Holy Spirit, as it says there in verse number 25. Paul had spoken one word, well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah. All right, again, this is talking about the deity, uh, and these are the, um, the proofs of his deity. Okay, the divine names, the divine attributes ascribed to him, the divine works, and then the application, what you just read. Okay, so here's a statement by Mr. Hodge. The prophets were the messengers of God. They uttered his words, delivered his commands, pronounced his threatenings, and announced his promises. Because they spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. They were the organs of God because they were the organs of the Spirit. The Spirit, therefore, must be God. And fifthly and finally in this section, the way in which the name of the Holy Spirit is coupled in equality with that of, the whole, of, with that of God and of Christ. Let me read that again. The way in which the name of the Holy Spirit is coupled in equality with that of God and of Christ. All right, A under that is in the Apostolic Commission, Matthew chapter 28. And we know this one pretty well, Matthew 28, the Apostolic Commission. Apostolic, apostolic, however you want to emphasize that syllable there. Um, 28 and verse number 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Let me go ahead and read it. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So, again, the Apostolic Commission, and he's equally coupled with the Father and the Son, with God and with Christ. Okay. In the administration of the church, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 6. Let's be back up because it mentions the Holy Spirit in first and early goes to verse number 3. Wherefore I give you, underst uh, give you to understand that no man speaketh by the Spirit of God, calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of the gifts, but the same. Uh, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. All right. So again, the administration of the church by the Spirit. Again, that goes back to the. Uh, yeah. What's the big one there? The proof of his divinity. 
And then in the apostolic benediction, all right, this is the last one here, apostolic benediction, which is in 2 Corinthians 3, or sorry, 2 Corinthians 13, and verse number 14, which we've already read, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. So the Lord Jesus Christ, love of God. Jesus Christ, God, Holy Ghost. All three of them there mentioned. Here's the doctrinal statement and we're done. In many unmistakable ways, God, in His Word, distinctly proclaims that the Holy Spirit is not only a person, but a divine person. All right? The divine person. And next time, we're going to look at the names of the Holy Spirit, which are... The names of the Holy Spirit, just in general, and then it goes from there. All right? All right.